long leg. Daddy T, you know me. Oh my goodness. Um, I know it's been long overdue, but this is a bonus Good Confessions episode. And when I say bonus, I mean it's coming out during the regular time. But it's a bonus because I, there, there is bonus commentary. Um, it's been a minute since I've released one of these. Uh, when I first started doing Good Confessions, I thought it would be a fun way to just highlight some clips from the show and all positive confessions. Obviously, um, since I started doing it, like, in March, so much has changed. And, you know, I forgive myself, and I hope you guys do, too, for dropping that ball and shifting my priorities. But um, I've been in need of some positivity, uh, and I hope hope you guys are doing okay. But uh, I figured, why not release another Good Confessions episode and put it in the main episode slot? All right, so you guys know the drill. This is all clips for the different guests, all right? They're all short, about like one to five minute clips. And it's just the good confession, all right? So if you guys have been, you know, fast forwarding to the juicy, juicy goss, the crux of the episodes, you know, the salacious confession titles, and, and been skipping the good confessions, well, here's a little highlight reel of all the positive things our guests have confessed to get to know them at the top of the episode. And... I am going to start, okay? I'm going to start because I am all about, you know, going first. Um, because, uh, look, if I'm going to do this and put people uh, in, a, in a, you know, vulnerable position, I'm going to get vulnerable first. So here is my good confession, uh, never before said to, to you guys, um, and it is new and updated. By the way, I am recording this the week of August 19th, uh, so... I believe it is within the week this episode is coming out. If I don't have any breakdowns this week, <laughs> I get around to it. Okay, so uh, my good confession is actually a real fun one. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, you may have seen a photo of this dog. My Instagram, if you guys want to check it out, is at Larissa T. Hey, look how I seamlessly worked that in and then totally ruined it by calling it out. My good confession is I fostered a dog for the first time, a rescue dog that got adopted. And I was so, so happy and excited for this puppy. Um, obviously, my own little son, Wushu, was a rescue to begin with. But I, when I fostered him, I was ready to be a mama and ready to be a papa. I fostered him for two days, immediately said, I'm taking him. Um, this time, I know I cannot have two dogs, but being quarantined alone in a two-bedroom, you know, because my sister moved out, I've talked about this, I will be filling the room. But for at least a month, I was by myself very lonely with my dog, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to make this situation better for me and my pup, who's very lonely and can't go out to parks. I'm going to use my time and give back, because I've been working from home, you know, I'm able to work from home all day, and I can watch a dog, in, you know, while working from home and take him out to pee. So I said, I'm going to foster a dog, and this will be a way for my little pup to have a friend, for me to give back, and just feel less lonely. <laughs> so I did it. Um, I reached out to the same rescue I got Wushu from, and she immediately emailed me back and said, we've got a perfect one I think you'll love. It's a, it's a four-month-old puppy. Um, he was named Almond, nickname, you know, because uh, usually most once dogs find their forever homes, they often get a new name. So his nickname was Almond because he was found in an almond field, totally abandoned. Just, you know, they had um, the rescue, fortunately, got him all cleaned up. 
he had ticks all over, but they got them removed, gave him all his vaccines and shots. So when he got to me, he was um, all uh, all vaccinated and, and, and cleaned up except for uh, had not been neutered yet. But he was very, very scared, very shy. And I was told he was toy aggressive and that he would growl if you tried to take his toy, but otherwise was sweet. Well, within a few days, I was able to get him to pee outside. Oh, he was not trained at all because he just lived outside forever. Um, got him to pee outside, taught him how to use stairs. Um, he started warming up to me. Loved toys, gotta say. He was not toy aggressive at all with the toys I gave him, uh, but he loved them. He just went crazy on toys. He would go pick them out of boxes and sh um, scatter them all over my apartment. I'm smiling while I'm thinking about this. And, and anytime I put them away, you know, the next day he'd go straight back to the box. It was so rewarding to watch him just open up and kind of like get I love like it was not, it was really, really rewarding. I know I'm projecting here, but truly just watching his demeanor change. And then on top of that, uh, within two weeks, you know, I, I was posting all I was advertising the heck out of him. Like someone hire me to, you know, make your Tinder profile, please, because this dog was getting a lot of interest everywhere. But um, my coworker and and a very nice guy and, and his uh, fiance were the most serious, like right away wanted to fill out the application. I sent it to them. They did it. They got approved and we did the handoff. It was so sweet. So now he has a new home. His name is Milo now. And I don't know, it just made me feel really good to see this dog sort of like light up, uh, you know, uh, coming home with me and then light up even more finding a forever home and then watching this couple get their new dog and become parents for the first time. I know it sounds corny, but it was really, really sweet. So that was my good confession. All right. I'm going to start introducing the next confessions. Um, let's get into it. This first good confession comes from my dear friend Mel Owens, if you guys remember. A lot of these were from the beginning of quarantine. Um, this may have been the first video one we did. Uh, oh my god, so long ago. But I love Mel so much. We used to have a sketch duo group called Wait What in New York City. Uh, one of my oldest comedy friends and she's now out here in California. So it was really nice to have her on and um, she talks about knowing when to ask for help as her good confession and honestly never a more relevant time to 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 keep that in mind it's it's okay to reach out for help especially when we're all so isolated like we are now so enjoy this is mel owens i think something good that i don't ever think about but sometimes i like notice i think i might be good at like asking for help when i need it you know Ooh, what i mean that's a great one yeah because like there's been times in my life where i'm like i'm actually i'm really not good at being alone so <laughs> this whole situation is a lot but you like, don't I have feel to like add a negative you can just have a good it's really hard for comedians myself yeah. included to say a good thing that's why I do this because okay. people will be like yeah. here's a good thing but then here's the bad it's like no 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 <laughs> just say the good yeah thing. that's my like immediate like get. okay yes <laughs> I'm good at asking for help um and yeah I feel like I'll reach out to people and be like here's what I need or like back when we used to be able to see each other I'd you know <laughs> Yes, I, and, that's true. Yeah. You are good at that. And I think that um, is a really, really good skill to have. And uh, I think a lot of people do struggle with that. And 
myself included. I think I've gotten a little bit better about that. And I try to surround myself with people like you. Like, like I try to learn those qualities from people. But yeah, I remember, um, I guess it was last year. Time passes so weird now. But um, you asked me about um, starting a podcast and we had a call and I thought that was really cool. Because um, yeah, I and I like yeah. that you're, you're not, uh, I feel like when, when you've asked me for things like that, it's been, I, I feel like, not I don't know what the word is it's, I don't want to say non-intrusive because intrusive is too harsh but do you know what I mean I think people get afraid to ask because they think it'll be um putting upon someone but I don't right. I feel like you have a very good uh demeanor about it I, I can't find the word oh, there's like okay. an actual word I feel like to use like professional maybe etiquette your etiquette that's is good. so nice yeah uh, yeah so, I mean I just feel, you know, there's so much, like, knowledge and stuff we could all share with each other, yeah. and why not, you know? Well, the example I would use for uh, a bad version is, like, because it does happen, and we all ask each other for help. I ask people for help, too, and uh, I try to keep that in mind of, like, well, how is this going to be received, right? It's not, it's not the asking part that's bad. It's the, like, like uh, for example, uh, I've also gotten people asking about podcasts where they'll um, – it's kind of like like a Facebook message, and it's like, here's a bunch of questions. Can you answer me soon? Like right in, right now. Like there's just a difference. Where you, it was really cool that you were like, hey, I want to chat. If you have time, can we have a call? And I was like, that's perfect because then I can actually tell you what I like. I can answer your questions and feel like I'm helping you without having to be like, oh, I got a Facebook message. I'm I have to remember to respond. Yeah, like Who that always person? feels like more like I don't yeah. know. It feels more like when you have to type out things sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because I, li- I really do like answering things when I can. Like, I think I agree with you. Like, we should all share our knowledge. And I'm not an expert in many things, but if I can help, somehow I will. But I also don't like to give wrong information. So if it's, like, suddenly asked in passing, I'm like, I don't know. I have to think about it. But a phone call is, like, a really good way to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's something, like, should I text him my answer to someone will always be yes. So that's probably not. <laughs> oh, I definitely I asked should, you, should but... I text him before? I feel like, man. Yeah, and I'm always like, yeah, if you thought about it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've both grown. Okay, so just a little background because it's been a minute. But you and I had a sketch duo in New York over five years ago called Wait What? And mm-hmm. I feel like we've both grown a lot since then, but in, in a good way. But it's it's cool. Yeah. I love to, like, look back sometimes on the sketches we did because I think they're super fun. But I, when I look back on some of, like, the characters who were very much just me, me you know, like, it's like, I'm like, it was a character, but it was me. I I feel I've come a long way in a good way. Like, the, the, the mindset was, like, you know, play hard to get, don't text him, like, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just like, yeah. if you want to do it, do it. Like, why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was like, when I look at our sketches, I'm like, it was a time and a place. And without that time and a place, like, I don't think I would be, like, who I am. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I grew so much, both with, like, learning how to do sketches, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, that whole process and then also just like as a person like (laughs) I think like for me like what I've like over the years I've like I'm like oh I'll just take more ownership over what I do and I'm just like yeah if I get a bad outcome it's like well you knew that could happen so (laughs) such is life Macaroni in a pot, that's some wet ass 
All right. This next confession comes from Ify Nuariwe. Oh, my goodness. I love him so much. He just came on my um, Instagram live stream show called Comedy Quarantine. Hey, I also worked that plug in there. But actually, I wanted to tell the story because just last week he was on the show and um, the audience peer pressured him. And I use that term lightly because he wanted to do this. Um, but he showed us a harness he bought and uh they peer pressured him into putting it on but then taking his shirt off and putting it on for real and you know what iffy if you're listening it's a good look okay so uh if he talks in his good confession about his generosity and giving to people who asked for it so actually a nice compliment to mel uh all right enjoy if he knew anyway uh you know something something good i want to confess is you know uh look Look, I, I just, I give, I'm just giving too, too much money away. Uh, I, cause every time I'm a real sucker for when I get stopped on the street. So like Heifer International, mm-hmm. I was a donator for ever since uh, Trump's been elected. I've been giving monthly donations to Planned Parenthood. Uh, and then now like, yeah, I've just any, any, any and all like uh, we did. Uh, it was real cool because I, I can't even take full credit for this. I just kind of jumped on the train and uh, and asked everyone to keep the train going. But mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Katie Delaney who uh, who retweeted someone else who was like who like they genuinely were like, oh, I got this extra thirty five dollars back from some something or another and I don't need it. If anyone really needs thirty five dollars, let me know and I'll Venmo it to you. And then uh, Katie was like, oh, same here. And so then I did it and I was like, same here. And <laughs> if anyone can keep this going, let's keep it going. And a few homies stepped in. Uh, Demi, Yadoye, apparently Demi, uh, he said he like went on a walk and forgot to check his phone. So he ended up <laughs> giving it to everyone in the thread. Uh, so just just like little ways like that because yeah right now it sucks so i'm just trying to make it suck a little more Next up in a good confessions, we have uh, Chris Calagero, very funny stand-up comedian and sketch character actor. Oh my goodness. So his good confession is so fun. I really love, I love all good confessions because the whole idea is just something that makes you happy and light up. But I love when comedians like take my uh, prodding to brag about themselves because it is so hard to do. I think, you know, we're sort of taught to be humble and it's good to be humble, but Sometimes you are amazing and you should talk about it. So I love that Chris um, used his good confession to talk about being featured in the New York Times, which is quite an accomplishment and you should be proud of that. So here's Chris Calagero. I mean, you you uh, <laughs> you did it. I, I got uh, featured in the New York Times a couple weeks ago, which actually feels like, you know, three years ago now. But um, <laughs> it was like towards the it was like towards the beginning of the quarantine where um Somebody reached out and asked for my information and stuff and said I was going to be featured, which was very cool. Um, and I saw it online, which was, like, awesome. And uh, and then on Mon- on the Monday paper, uh, the hard copy in the art section, like, my picture was, like, on the cover of the art section on the top oh, banner, nice. which was, like, I was just very excited to be, to share, like, newspaper space with the crossword puzzle. Was, like, <laughs> Did you buy copies and frame them? I, I have it. It's in my. It's in like my box of uh, my box of my box of brag, basically like stuff where I've been featured or that's stuff awesome. that people have sent me or, or things. So yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. That's so cool. Um, 
Yeah, the, so the videos, I know you were doing them before, like, and you were saying just now how you just come up with them now and you can just do them. Like, how much, like, do you sit down and plan them ahead or are you like, okay, I can just do this right now and, like, let's just, I have all day since we're home, let's just go make one right now. Like, how, how much writing are you doing in terms of, like, preparing, like, you know, oh, I have a slate of videos I got to do or is it just kind of, like, whenever you want to do them? Yeah, like, I keep, it's kind of like a mix of everything. Like, I keep, I keep a running list um, uh, on, like, a Google Doc of ideas and in my, like, my notes app on my phone. And then if one, like, really, like, if it kind of, like, stews in my brain and, like, I feel like, oh, that, like, that will be good and I, I will write, like, a few lines for mm -hmm. it. Um, and then I'll start filming it, you know, with my, with my phone and then I'll allow myself to just riff a little and find some new things and, and so it becomes like a mix of like having the idea writing a few lines and then allow myself to play within the confines of the lines that I've already created um and then editing out anything that I think is dumb or doesn't work so <laughs> it's like it's a fun mix especially like I, that's kind of how I do my stand-up too which is it's very loose mm -hmm. but the thing about doing the videos is like I can cut out anything that is too uh -huh. loose you know and like didn't work rather than wait till the next time I get on stage to to figure it out so um the editing has really become kind of fun to find new jokes and punchlines in there that's so cool I know I love that I, I feel like I turned this into an, a professional interview and that's not what I meant but no it is it's funny no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like how why do you do this um, you're super professional <laughs> well it's interesting because I know a lot of people are getting into that now and I, I'll say like I am the CEO of that company um, I definitely was someone who didn't do a lot of um, videos in that sense yeah. before but I have started playing around you know because we do need our validation from somewhere um, but I, I think it's really cool you totally. that, that before um, uh, if I yeah. I mean I'm sure you've talked extensively about comedy stuff so we won't spend too much time on that but I'm curious about in terms of like when you first started doing it, was it just, like, was it stuff that didn't make it to the stage, or were you like, this has to be here? Like, what made you, because I, I know, like, you're established stand-up, and you are great at stand-up, so what made you want to explore oh, that medium in in the beginning? Um, uh, like, explore the making the videos? Yeah, because this was before the quarantine. Yeah. And you were still doing stand-up. Yeah, so, I honestly, like, have to give a ton of credit to this, this now defunct app, um, that was called Laugh Exchange. I don't know if you remember oh, when that was no. around. And they were like, they wanted to do short videos and um, like 15 to 60 seconds. And they you would submit them and, um, and then they would pick like uh, six, I think. And mm -hmm. they would have whoever their users were vote on which ones were their favorites and people would win money. And so I, A, am notoriously bad at making stand-up tapes of myself <laughs> and b didn't want to necessarily just chop up stand-up videos and and so i wanted to like test my brain and see if i could come up with something different mm -hmm. um so i was already like trying to experiment with like a little character work on stage so i just started making like different character videos instead of just submitting stand-up and a couple of them hit and won me some money and then the one i did that was like all the police chiefs in an action movie like montage uh -huh. that I put together like hit on twitter bigger than anything i'd ever put on twitter like ever ever and i was like oh that was really fun and so then i was just like oh i i like inhale movies like when i was like when i was in high school like all i did was like watch movies so mm -hmm. i had this knowledge base anyway so i just started doing like movie cliches and 
characters that I love and, and people that um, that I like know are cliches, but I love anyway. You know, like the inspirational uh-huh. movie coach or the the jock from the eighties, like the movie jock from the eighties and stuff. And like, I just like, it was fun. It's easy to do. It's not anything that is like, I feel is, uh, too difficult in like taking away from anything else basically is what I mean. Mm. Like, it's just fun. I'm at home. I'm doing it. I'm like going to make dinner. I can shoot video (laughs) and people will enjoy it. And I've got fans off of it. So yeah, it just kind of started from there. That's awesome. I mean, it, it, I like that, um, like, your humility when you say, like, oh, it's not too hard, but so much of that is because, like, you've ingested all this pop culture, and you have a foundation of comedy that it is easier, but, like, but I do, it is, like, yeah, because I don't want to, like, downplay that, but I know what you mean, it's, like, that sense, it feels like it's accumulation of everything you have, Um, but that's really cool, yeah, because I think, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I think part of it is, like, Twitter can be so snarky so i think sometimes i'm hesitant to be like it's a cool thing I, i'm like oh no it's, i know it's dumb yeah. like i i enjoy doing it i just like don't want to get caught up in like somebody's like snark timeline sure sure like, sure scares me. <laughs> yeah god forbid we actually try to do the thing we want to do you know that's crazy. i know no. <laughs> Next up, we have Ryan Beck, very funny stand-up comedian, um, also from New York City. Um, wow, I think I ha- now that I'm doing these podcasts through Zoom, I'm able to get a lot of my old friends from New York who usually are not out here. So that's been one positive side. See what I did there? Positivity. Um, and he, in his good confession, talks about a podcast he started with his wife that at the time of recording had just kind of launched. And now, so that's been it's been a while, um, has a lot more episodes out. So if you guys haven't gotten around to it, definitely check it out. I've been binging on them. They're so fun, like you'll hear me talk about in this recording clip. I absolutely love podcasts hosted by couples. I truly do, especially when they're in love. It makes me feel so safe. And I don't know, just something about watching (laughs) two people respect each other is just so, so sweet to me. Okay, so enjoy. Well, this is a confession because uh, if if she were anybody else, it would be embarrassing. But (laughs) I started a podcast with my wife and... Grace Eubank, and she is truly so funny and charming. You know her. Yeah, she's been and, in videos uh, before. I feel like yeah, she she helped on that on that interactive yeah. video too. So, and she's in my Glacier video. But anyway, Grace is wonderful, and she came up with this awesome idea for a podcast, and we have plenty of time together to do it now. So <laughs> that's a great way too to like add structure to just like limitless time with someone. Because no matter how much you like someone, it's like just unstructured time can feel very overwhelming, I feel like. Yeah, our lives are very structured. I mean, (laughs) uh, we we have like uh, kept like a routine. We like wake up at the right times and we're not staying up too late. And we, uh, what else are we doing? We're like, well, now we have the podcast. So we have like a release day and we have a day that we have to record. And then I spend the rest of the week trying to figure out how to use editing software. So that's been a real journey for us. What's it called so people can uh, find it? Oh, yeah. I should na- say the name. It's called Falling in Love with My Wife. And, that was her uh, idea? I love that. 
Yes. And so basically, um, the, the concept of the show is that we're going through, there's a while back, there's this New York times article that was like the 36 questions that lead to love. Oh, you remember that? Yes. Yes. So we are going through week to week answering a question one by one. That's so cool. And it's been so far, it's been a wonderful experiment to find out that if getting to know each other will ruin our marriage. <laughs> well, so, it's interesting because I remember the article and always thinking like, oh, I wonder, like, it'd be cool to try that, but also insane to actually, you know, actually meet a stranger and do this. Yeah. And then propose that like, <laughs> yeah, as an idea. Like, right. Yeah. Um, but th I think that's cool that, cause you guys obviously like know each other, but are you discovering new things that you didn't know? We are right. She didn't know. I had an eye patch when I was a kid. There's another confession <laughs> for you. Wait, I, when you said that, I don't know if I knew that, but for some re reason I was just like, yeah, I knew that. But, and I don't know yeah, if yeah, you've yeah, made jokes it's about very it. Believable, it just I felt, <laughs> it just felt like it made sense. <laughs> yeah. When I had a, like this lazy eye as a preschooler and they like tried to fix it and they did fix it, thankfully, uh -huh. but like it's. Yeah, you have to, like, put the eye patch over the good eye, and then Whoa. you just, like, let this child run out into the world. But, like, nobody cares at that age, right? There's just, like, I was like, ah, I'm a little pirate, and I'd run around. Aww. And I could still do all my sports and stuff, so it was fine. Oh, that's cool. But, yeah, I had an eye patch. I learned about, what did I learn about her recently? She was singing me songs that she had written as a kid. Oh, my God, that's um, so cute. Which, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. Um, I've also learned, I knew this one already, but she's going to, she once she broke up a puppeteer's marriage, but I feel like that's maybe like uh, she you, broke up a marriage. She broke up a marriage, kind of, um, not intentionally, obviously. Uh, uh -huh. But that's I feel like her. She she might need to come on your show. And oh yeah, maybe. Well, we'll story. get on, and then she can plug your podcast. Um, that's so great. I love that. My and but I also want to say my dog has a lazy eye, and maybe I should put an eye patch on him. I didn't know you could. Fix oh my that god, one. I didn't know that. Wushu, yeah, he. Uh, well, it's he does. It's just, I call it a wonky eye, but I think it's a lazy eye. It's just, I'm going to have to go yeah. through his, his uh, pictures. Yeah, and... some photos is way more prominent. Um, but that's, uh, no, I love that idea for a podcast. That's super fun. Um, it has been really fun. It has yeah. been really fun. I just, I just made this joke on Twitter, but it is true. So I'm not just saying this, but I love, my favorite genre of podcast is when couples host podcasts. Just it's feels like that definitely sounds like sarcasm. <laughs> no, because a lot of people say they hate it, but honestly, like especially when um like uh my friends Georgia and Hampton, you might know them. They're both comedians out in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, they both just started a podcast as well, and I just love listening to couples, especially like very stable, happy couples. Like not like they just started dating and they're like, let's do this for the clout. Like people were mm -hmm. like, we know each other because it's just like mom and dad are getting along and that's really nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're definitely mom and dad getting along vibe uh with our podcast yeah. it's, it's been pretty it's been pretty fun but it's like um there is a certain amount of shame which is why i'm here to confess that i started a podcast with my wife among other things mm. embarrassing things but it's like there is like uh, a little bit of a stigma i think one sure. there's a stigma to anybody having a podcast now totally, because yeah. we can't do anything uh you know for the good of the world or our careers at the same time without being uh, <laughs> you know called a narcissist or whatever yeah so uh, and then you know with my wife it's like you know, it's like i think people just want couples to meet other people but it's like no one has time for that yeah why would you you I can't I can't person. make a friend and then schedule a weekly thing with them. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm in my 30s. It's not right. happening. It's I I well I'm a fan and hopefully there's other people like me out there. Cuz I'm a very freaky girl. Get it for my mama. I'm not with the game. I'm without a trauma. Make them give me brain in the first seat out of
Next up, we have Vivian Martinez. She confesses her good confession is she's been playing games um, to pass the time and keep active during quarantine. And I just thought it just very um, relatable. I think right now we need to find ways to keep ourselves, you know, in a good mood. And I think moving and entertaining ourselves, even if it's not something you know you don't have to always be spinning your wheels to like I tend to be anxious about like needing to do something on my to-do list I think you can just enjoy yourself and I really love that she um champions that here like recently or like anytime anything yeah recently now just a quick short you know it's uh I've been uh I luckily got a switch for Christmas as a gift so I had one and I just downloaded just dance this game and I've been dancing every day for like a week and I feel great that's awesome. And is that the one that um, Animal Farm is on? No, Animal Farm. Animal. Well, I can't even. What's that game? Ever? Animal Crossing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah. Animal Farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dystopian <laughs> um, Marx <sighs> novel. <laughs> Animal Farm is it's a new game where. <laughs> I always reveal my 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 um my ignorance so quickly, <laughs> especially because I know we're gonna get into tech stuff and just yeah. really like to let that? people know off the bat that I am not an expert but i asked the questions and i hope some of you have similar questions so have you played that new ship that new game watership down it's really really good. <laughs> oh no it's a yeah a new game Just fall kidding. of democracy oh yeah. man honestly <laughs> sometimes fun. i think about using stories like video games and i mean because we've done it with movies but video games to teach us how to just like fight injustice because if you're yeah. a kid and playing it and that's what you know then growing up you might be like wait a minute the world is falling apart maybe i'll use my i don't know uh, counter-strike skills yeah. to to fight <laughs> democracy um but that's wishful thinking because then i would have to learn how to code and go back in time All right, we got a few more good confessions. This next good confession comes from Clara Janover, who is a very special guest. Um, I, if you guys heard this episode, then you know exactly why. But if you didn't, I'll give you a quick summary. She's not a comedian. I mean, although she should be, she's very funny and she may very well be. But she um, was doxxed on Twitter because of a TikTok she posted. She's just, you know, in her early 20s, she's a student at Harvard University and she posted about supporting the Black Lives Matter movement with an analogy that um, a right-wing Twitter extremist with quite a um, you know vicious following and I will say he I'm not going to give him his name because I I'm not going to dox but also because I'm not going to give him more publicity but he is a, a anchor on OANN I believe so if you guys know what that is you'll know it's very extreme right Anyways, he had his followers dox her, and when I heard this story, I was just really captivated by her, like, ability to stay calm through all this and sort of resilience, and I just really wanted to talk to her. So I invited her on, and her good confession kind of gets into that, and she is so, so smart. If you guys heard this episode, um, this clip is where she talks about the idea of tone policing, emotion policing, and how um, for a lot of, like, young women especially asian american women there's a lot of sort of control from men in the outside gaze about how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to complain and i just feel like she just says it in such a wise way that's way beyond her years so enjoy 
I mean, so I grew up in urban poverty in New Haven with my single mother who recently passed away, but I got into Harvard totally randomly, like not expected at all, got a full ride and have been there for the past like four years and it has changed my life forever and has made the world that I have possible for me in the future so magnificently possible um, that it's something that is both a brag but also such a humbling experience. (laughs) That's awesome. I can tell you're very well spoken, um, very intimidating. I feel like my mom would like you as a daughter. Um, I did not get into Harvard. No, but that's very amazing. Um, Yeah, I did look at some of your old TikToks and what I really like about, I mean, we'll probably get into, I'm sure you'll speak on this more, but um, I watched one of your intro ones where you do, you know, like other stats and you said you like psychology. And I don't know if this came from studying psychology, but one of the things um, my therapist has told me about, like, as a tool for self-parenting is to have a conversation with yourself. And you do that a lot in your TikTok. Actually, the Black Lives Matter one was a conversation with yourself. But then there are other ones that are very funny and um, very, like, relevant that aren't Black Lives Matter related. So I wanted to highlight one just because I know that everyone's talking about, you know, the one that Jack posted. There was one where you have a conversation with yourself about having platonic guy friends. And as like a, you know, a, a woman in your early 20s, I felt like that was very mature and like insightful because that's definitely, you know, when I was <laughs> I feel like I'm d- very much dating myself, but I'm older than you. And when I was your age, I definitely don't think I thought those complex thoughts through as much, but you, you actually call yourself out and say, I think about this a lot and then criticize or like take apart your own logic in a way that I think is really elegant. Um, and that's something my therapist taught me. So I'm curious what spawned that format. If that's something that you just came to on your own or if that was through studying psychology. Uh, therapy, psychology as well. Um, I also grew up with a single mom and I'm an only child. So I had a lot of time in my own head. So deconstructing or reevaluating um, perspective is something that has been very crucial to who I am regardless. And psychology really helped me develop the tools in terms of critical thinking and perspective building. But again, even like when I first made my TikTok, it was a huge just like kind of joke I mean I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm only 22 I say as a joke <laughs> but like that's old in TikTok when the average user age is 14 <sighs> so it was something that I started it off making jokes like it was a very a lot of like feminist jokes kind of Twitter-esque mm-hmm. content it really was something that was supposed to be just satirical I'm not in any way like a stand-up co- comedian but it was fun I think that there's like a certain flavor and beauty Mm -hmm. to sarcasm online. And I had a lot of fun with that. And that's what it was. And then obviously the interconnectedness of the fact that I'm an Asian woman, the fact that I go to Harvard, the fact that I'm outspoken, um, you know, tempted people in comments to bring up Mm -hmm. more serious, like racial, Mm -hmm. gendered, offensive comments that really directed me into, the internet like, had a problem with a woman that's crazy I don't believe you at all that's there's no yeah. way that was your experience Asian woman like people are <laughs> so used to that like that's the narrative that we embody mm-hmm. in the world yeah it's No, that's so, um, yeah, that's very insightful for you to pick up on that because I feel like only in the last few years have I really um, been able to even like publicly talk about that. And I, as part of this is just working in, 
uh, I don't know. I'm, there's a reckoning now, but and I'm very grateful for. I'm already doing this like weird uh, PR thing, but I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I've had. But there's definitely, I would say, like ten years ago was kind of thing where there was a cool girl sort of motif where it was cool to not complain even when everyone knew something was fucked up and I think that applied to being an Asian woman online too because it was almost like fun to just make fun of like over sexualized Asian girls to be like I get why you guys don't like them I'm not like that instead of going wait why do we do that that's kind of a fucked up thing you know we're making fun of women who get sex sex trafficked as like a punchline in like movies and it's like huh that might be kind of weird <laughs> something that like i realized but it wasn't really until this all came together in the past two weeks really that i was like holy i don't know if i can swear holy yeah, you can God. <laughs> like i fully didn't realize how the power structures of like patriarchy, white supremacy, heteronormativity, nationalism, what they do is they set social norms of acceptability, mm. right? So like they create premises of likability, which for so long has been the easygoing, chill, quiet, shrunken girl, but mm -hmm. we don't realize that. Like we don't realize that we embody that when we say like, oh, like I'm gonna like eat a hot dog when I'm around my guy friends because <laughs> like I don't care about diet culture. Or, you know, like she's like a little crazy. Like that mm -hmm. girl's crazy, but I'm not like her. You know, and that takes time to unlearn because these systems of power, what they do is they modify the norms. And so anyone who speaks out against that or anyone who dares defy that, whether it be intentionally or not, mm -hmm. their very existence threatens that supremacy and that power structure. So when you have, you know, outspoken, demanding Asian women who are simultaneously hypersexualized and desexualized in all mm -hmm. of media and society, like we're someone that should be submissive, but we're also but someone non threatening who at the same time. Yeah. You know, but we're also like never going to be beautiful enough for a man to want to marry, but mm -hmm. we're always going to be like sexy enough for them to want to have sex with, you know, and it's like all of these double standards and like incongruencies that we never acknowledge because we try to fit into like white culture and mm -hmm. male culture. That is one of those things that like I haven't really had the time to deconstruct until recently when I'm like, holy crap all these people that are, you know, doxers or intimidators, mm -hmm. what they do is they like tell girls to shut up. They say, I'm going to kill you. They say, I'm mm -hmm. going to rape you. They say, what the heck are you doing in the spotlight? And it feeds into this broader concept of white supremacy and masculine supremacy or patriarchy maintaining itself by shutting up anyone who speaks out through these like very normal structures of like, well, she's crazy. She's mm -hmm. dangerous. She's hysterical. She is, you know, just all of these things that we see and we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like a crying woman is like emotionally irrational when reason and emotion don't have to be mutually exclusive, but we've created it as such. And then we automatically pin this like hysterical emotion onto women. Yeah. Like their anger is never valid. Well, I, I, I mean, it's funny because I think hysteria used to be something a long time ago they used to diagnose women with. But like they would say, uh, I mean, it was also not in all cases, but it was a euphemism also for a woman who like weren't getting satisfied in bed, which is so funny it's for a man to literally blame a woman for not making her come be like wow you're so hysterical um I can't satisfy you but I guess you need to go to the doctor because you're so crazy because I'm so bad in bed that's literally I mean 
Oh, I sorry, mean, you cut off there. Justify the mistreatment mm-hmm. and the immense, like, dogmatizing and, like, sexism towards women. Like, all of it, you know? Like, not taking accountability. And then gaslighting or tone policing or emotion policing yeah. how, you know, how people in general who are not this small little box of submission mm-hmm. exist you know and I think that like Jillian Flynn brought that out with Gone Girl it was the first time that the chill girl trope was finally exposed for being so that like the Megan Fox and you know the you know Rachel McAdams of the world were like oh you know they really limit the capacity for not like them in themselves but the characters that are built for them and constructed are constructed by men for men you know and I think that that's something that we've seen really like being deconstructed in terms of like slut shaming, right? Like that's something that in the last decade, we've seen really a lot of pushback against it because it's like, you're shaming women in an attempt to minimize them. To control and them, it's- yeah. Back on my bullshit, back on my bullshit, I'm back on my bullshit, back on my bullshit, I'm back on my bullshit, yeah, mm, I'm back on it. Next up, we have um, showrunner Cody Heller. Um, I love Cody so much. It was really cool talking to her. This was the first time I met her, and she just had so many cool stories and such a unique point of view. Um, She created the show Dummy on Quibi, which stars Anna Kendrick as her uh, titular character, which is based on her. And I like her good confession a lot because she just talks about this huge accomplishment, which is that she made a show on Quibi. And for a lot of writers and comedians, like creating your own shows, let alone one based on your own life that's so personal, is a huge accomplishment. So oftentimes I feel like we lose sight of like enjoying the moment. Um, sometimes, you know, you want something really bad and then you get there and then you don't want to rub it in people's faces or you feel embarrassed about being excited, you know, because you don't want to feel fraudulent and that's something I'm working on getting over. Um, but I really love that Cody just embraces it and is so proud. And it's something that I'm like really aspire to have that energy. And obviously that confidence got her somewhere and it's, it works. So I think that's something we can all learn from. So enjoy Cody's good confession. I mean, I guess you kind of covered it, which is that I made a Quibi, a show on Quibi. Um, it's a humble brag though, because you know, I, a lot of people are shitting on Quibi. <laughs> and so I, it's been this weird time where I'm like, I'm really proud of the show I made. It was really, a, you know, the most filling, amazing creative experience of my life. And it was my show and so great. And then it comes out and now like, there's all these people shitting on the platform. So that's been kind of a bummer, but I'm mm-hmm. embracing it and learning and also, you know, it's the most champagne problem of the entire <laughs> universe. So um, I made a Quibi. I'm a proud Quibi creator. And, um, you know, I, like I was telling you before we got started, I'm from the Valley originally. And mm-hmm. I've always like rejected my roots of like being from the <laughs> Valley. Like I was like being a Valley girl, it has all these kind of negative connotations. And I just like wanted to be from somewhere else in LA. And then now I'm back in the Valley embracing my roots. And I feel like it's the same thing with Quibi where like, you know, people are going to hate, but it's who I am. I made a fucking Quibi, (laughs) y'all. I made a Quibi. I will say, I mean, it, 
you should be proud of making a show no matter what. And I, I think most people making fun of Quibi aren't. I've never heard anybody making fun of the content um, because it is just so, as a comedian, fun to just like, it's it's a low-hanging fruit. But I think most of it is just like the poll quotes that Jeffrey Katzenberg has said in media. Um, yeah. Some yeah. of them are fun to make no, fun of, but totally not the content. <laughs> I totally get it. And, you know, it's all... Some of it's framing too. I think there was a article that they pulled a quote where he said, I blame everything on the pandemic, everything. And it's like, okay, that he didn't. I think that was like a misquote or something. (laughs) My, I have to say my experience personally with Jeffrey Katzenberg has been like pretty amazing. He, Mm -hmm. to his credit from the beginning, like read these insane scripts and like Mm -hmm. understood and got what I was going for and was so supportive and cool and really let me have complete creative control, which is, you know, very, very rare. Um, and so I really like as much as he's, you know, getting shit on, on Twitter or whatever right now, but like, I love the man cause he let me make the show I wanted to make and made it a reality and believed in me. And like, it, it was pretty, it was pretty goddamn cool. Yeah. And it's really fun show. So for, for people who haven't uh, watched it yet, definitely go watch it, but it's, um, let me see. I'm sure you have your better way of explaining, but uh, because I love robots, I'm going to try my best to explain this. It's. Okay, but she's not a robot. But she, yeah, she's not so a robot, okay. but she um, she is a sex doll. Yeah. But I talk a lot about robots that are in in the general sphere of AI and and sex yeah. bots and all that. So I, for my listeners, it's she's not a robot in the in our world sense, but she's a robot in my sense of being able to program empathy using technology, which is the feminine view of technology, which I feel like men talking about the singularity always leave out. Um, so I really like yes. that your show takes in th- that into account. So she's a, um, the main character, Cody, it finds her boyfriend's sex doll and becomes friends with her. And at first it's like the stalking discovery because it's like, oh no, she's like this doll version of me, but she's like, you know, plastic and perfect and a sex doll, literally. But then they become friends and have this very beautiful friendship and uh, learn a lot about each other. So it's very fun. Um, you nailed you nailed it. That's right. <laughs> well, can I ask though? Because the I'm sure I'm guessing the robot thing comes up. Is that a point of contention? And is there in your mind what is the difference to make that differentiation? Well, I just remember when I first wrote the pilot, which was now like four maybe more years ago. It was just around the time where like robot sex dolls were starting mm. to get introduced like on the market, and I was like, fuck. I really want to make this show before sex dolls are a real thing that are like commonplace because the whole point of the show wouldn't work if if the doll is a robot then anyone can hear her talk. Mm-hmm. But what's so special about this show is their or their relationship is that Cody, the character named after me, played by Anna mm-hmm. Kendrick, is the only one who can hear Barbara, the sex doll. So everyone else just sees this inanimate sex doll made out of plastic, but Cody can hear her and Mm -hmm. which I think to your point earlier like men it's so easy for men to objectify but women automatically humanize so Mm -hmm. like this whole thing was based on my real life when I first started dating my now fiance you know almost five years ago it came out that he had a sex doll we were being like super open and honest about all of our kinks and fetishes and all this stuff and it came out that he had a sex doll and I was just like I'm sexually evolved and a liberated woman. I'm a feminist. I don't care. Like, it's just like porn. Who cares? Like I Uh I'm open to all that. It doesn't matter. And then like the longer we were together and the more time I was spending at his house, I found myself like thinking about her all the time and being like, (laughs) what closet is she in? And like, where is she? Uh And 
just becoming obsessed with this idea of her and humanizing her. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dan, to him, it was just this object that he was like, do you want me to get rid of it? It's not a big deal <laughs> at all. Like I got this before I, like, I have a foot fetish. I mostly use it for the feet. My dog chewed <laughs> up my mannequin legs. So I got this instead. Like to him, it was not a big deal. And to me, I was like, no, don't get rid of it. Because to me, that felt like me, like a personal failure. Like I could not like deal with this jealousy of this inanimate object that I couldn't help but humanize her and think about her that way. And then it all kind of came together when I was writing anything. And I was just like, I'm going to write about this just for fun because it was clearly tormenting me. <laughs> and uh, and then it became it became a pilot script. All right, we got two more good confessions. Uh, And then I have a bonus one from a confidant at the very end. Um, This next confession is from Cameron Esposito. Um, I have always admired Cameron's comedy and uh, last year was lucky enough to get to know her a little bit better um, by doing her Uh, by opening for her uh, at the end of the year, which was a really, really, really cool opportunity. And also talking to her on her podcast, Query, which you guys should all listen to. And that leads me into her good confession. She talks about a really cool guest she got to interview and sort of um, how she stays like excited about doing these kinds of things as such a vet of comedy. Enjoy. I went into a recording where I was just like, oh man, I like don't know if I could like get it up for this conversation today. And then the person I was talking to was an astronaut. Whoa. An astronaut whose name is Anne McLean. And, you know, sometimes, like, I don't know if this ever happens to you. It's like, you know, your job can become rote. It, like, can become commonplace. Things can become normalized. Then then you, like, sort of black back in. Like, I'm, like, blacked out. Being like, oh, I don't want to do query. And then, like, I black back in. And I'm like, I'm talking to a woman who's been to space. Like, she... She has, she, uh, was talking to me about like her spacewalk, which is where you leave the shuttle and you're just in a spacesuit and you're tethered, but you're like floating around. She was talking to me about, um, that they have weekends off. Did you know they have weekends off? <laughs> Doesn't it crazy. blow your mind? Yeah, I guess because like, it's a job, but you would think like <laughs> it's space. I mean, like what is time in space? <laughs> exactly. She, uh, yeah. The sun sets like every 45 minutes or something oh, like wow. that. Um, and, but she was also talking to me about how, like, when you go to space because you're, because there's a gravity, your spine extends Hmm. and you grow, like she grew two inches. Whoa. Um, then when you come back down and you're re-affected by gravity, you shrink. And she told me that it hurts, which I thought was super interesting. Like she, like you can feel it. Whoa. You can feel your body. She told me you could, she could feel her organs like your bones falling down inside of her body. She could feel her spine compressing. And, you know, it just kind of, like, made me think of um, maybe what we're going to talk about later in the podcast, which is, like, that growth makes it really hard to fit back into things that usually huh. felt comfortable. Oh, that's such a, like beautiful metaphor in a very literal way i love that but also terrifying to think about your bones getting crushed i i love space i'm gonna listen to that um weirdly space has been i mean it's been in the news but i've been thinking a lot about it even before that and it's felt like one of those things the universe has been putting in front of me just like space i don't know why but i love (laughs) 
Yeah, man. I, I mean, <laughs> so she's she's one of 47 astronauts. Wow. You know, like that blew my mind. Like <laughs> they usually get new classes of like maybe eight people or wow. something like that. But like 12,000 people apply. Can you imagine doing that? Like how comedians do open mics and even feel like I'm constantly like I, I could quit at any moment, you know, like but as a to want to go to space with those numbers to just be like, I know, I guess you just got to yeah. keep going. Yeah, you just got to go for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, that is a really great confession. I guess for me, that moment is now. I think I mean, I love your comedy and it's cool that we've been able to get to know each other in the past year. But it's yeah, doing this podcast and being able to talk to you. And um, I think that would be like a black in moment, but I totally hear oh, you on, <laughs> <laughs> I do hear you on the quarantine, making everything feel like the only time you can talk to people is through comedy. And you know what? And through video chats yeah. and like through things that, um... yeah, I guess it's like just going, Oh man, like I can't believe I have to sign on again today to connect with NASA. <laughs> like, like Esposito, get off your get out of your own fucking way. Like, just pick up the call from NASA and enjoy yourself. That's so awesome. Did you try to watch the space launch? That were um, they had to reschedule, but I yes. had it up and then I was disappointed. But it'll yeah. happen. She said she was like texting me. She said when they thought they would do the next one. Anyway, I don't wow. know. Wow, I'm I'm trying to become friends with an astronaut. You can text someone in, like you're texting with someone in space. That's so she's cool. here. She's currently she's down. She's here. Okay. But she will be, yeah. But she was in space last year. Yeah, so that's a brain that's been in space. Part alien now, yeah. (laughs) Of the last year. Anyway, I could talk about this for a while. I love that so much. Our next good confession and the Abby shot, I believe, uh, is what we call it in film, like second to last is from Jess Tom. Um, They're so, so funny. I actually got to know them over Twitter first, and then we met up once in New York City when they saw I was there for like a few days and uh, obviously instantly bonded. So I was very excited to have them on this podcast as a guest. And this was recorded in the beginning of of quarantine, but I really like their confession because they talk about setting up their room after living there for a long time and this is so relatable for me because as someone who only last year finally started coming to terms with my ADHD and actually treating it um my space is such a factor in my mood yet I don't always give it the attention it needs like I often overlook setting up a safe and comfortable space and um sort of push aside the need to feel good in my room and it's not just about safety right sometimes it's just about like a little bit of decoration can go so such a long way like a little bit of color that makes you feel good like what kind of colors help your mood you know complement your you know your your I don't know like if you love the sky like does it make you think of being outdoors you want to use blue if you love um you know plants you might want to go green like these are things that I feel like I always think I want to do and I just never get around to so it's kind of inspired me to spend some time setting up my place as well and I always stress out and want to do it overnight. But I realized it took just like three years to do this. 
And for me, I kind of looked ahead and thought, if I'm still living here in five years, I would be very happy. And could I look back and go, ah, it took five years to get everything set up the way I wanted, but it was worth it? Yes. So instead of needing to do it overnight, I'm now taking the time to make my room and apartment um, what I want it to be, but like one step at a time without getting overwhelmed. And I also wanted to play this clip because we recorded it at the very beginning of quarantine and they actually say to me, um, you guys are in better shape than we are in New York. And that boy has that really flipped. So just a little perspective of how things can really turn if we are not all careful, which unfortunately Los Angeles did not do a great job of social distancing, um, you know, but also means it could hopefully change. So I don't know. There's a little bit of hope in that. All right, enjoy. Um, I, this is not that cool, but something I have been doing uh, this quarantine is I uh, started setting up my room, which doesn't sound, okay, the deal with that is that I have technically lived in my room for like three years, Okay. but I never really moved in Mm, because moving in, I was in like an intensely codependent monogamous relationship and I mostly just lived at that person's place. Gotcha. So I like never, it was like a mattress on the floor surrounded by boxes. And then we broke up and even still it's been about six or seven months and I hadn't done anything about it. And now I'm, it like looks like a room. Are you in your room now? Because I see art and it looks really cool from here. So what's funny is I'm not actually in my own apartment right now in a safe best practices way. Okay. Um, (laughs) I know being like a, like a semi-public person, I feel like every time I'm like slightly out, I have to like preface it with like, I'm just doing this. Like, I'm like, I'm outside in my garage. It's my garage. (laughs) Well, I saw, (laughs) I saw, um, your bit, your opening bit on comedy quarantine (laughs) last night. Which was so funny. Oh, by thank the way, you. I, I, I wish I had more time to. Um, thank you so much. I I wanted to do something physical, and I truly came up with that right before. And now I'm like, oh, I kind of want to try to think of more sketchy things like that. But yeah, for anyone who didn't see it, it I on this like live stream, I pretend I was kidnapped. I just was like, it'll be fun to do something physical where I have to escape my car. But then I now that I've done it, I'm like, I wish I thought of more of a angle to it besides literally just escaping and starting. Um, cause it is fun to kind of play around with the physicality of being live. <laughs> it was so fun. And it like, I was like, Oh, like that's so creative and people are coming up with ideas. But the reason I thought of that was that when you got out of the car, like I thought you were going to do the whole thing from inside the car. <laughs> and then when you got out of the car and were running outside, I was like, Oh, like she went outside. <laughs> <laughs> She's outdoors. She's contagious. Um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so right now I'm I'm um the my upstairs neighbors. None of them are here because they all have people who love them who they have to go uh, be with. Uh, so <laughs> they gave us the keys to the apartment ostensibly so we could water their plants, but also their apartment is really nice. So I've been coming up here and hanging out. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, I guess more and more like of my friends are just at families at their family's house now. Like it's like at first I was the wave, and then now more and more I'm like everyone's just home, and then now I'm like. I guess I could go home. Like, should I go home to see my parents? It's not like I'm worried. I, they're, like, older, but I think they're fine. Like, I don't think they're at risk, so I feel like it's okay. But then a part of me is like, I guess I should see them just for the sake of family. You guys are in such better shape over there because, like, at this point, I'm like, I can't go anywhere. Like, mm. or I wouldn't feel 
yeah well new york is so hard to travel because you can't just get in a car and drive away you gotta like go to a train stop right like whatever it's just so hard to travel alone you know right love drill splash come take a leg on the lolly yeah what an ass beat in a hurry nah let me take a bite of that honey yeah know what i heard you got that bomb 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 yeah bomb 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 Okay, and finally, last but not least, we have a confidant good confession. I love hearing from you, uh, confidants. Um, please, please, please send me more. I know sometimes it takes me a minute to get around to them, but I love getting these. Um, you know, you can send me a, a clip to tell me anything pod at gmail.com, mp3 preferably, but you know, any audio file will work. You can record it on your iPhone something good you want to confess, you know, something you're excited about, something coming up, something um, you love to watch or a movie, a book, something you, you know, just positive. I want to hear it. Brag to me, okay? Talk braggy to me. Anyways, um, this confession comes from a confidant and it is quite a brag and accomplishment. Um, uh, This confidant is an a music musical artist who created uh, an album and uh, goes by the name of Tangent Infinity. So listen to this good confession from Tangent Infinity. Enjoy. Hey there, Father Long Legs, aka Daddy T. Uh, just a confidant checking in over here, uh, looking to give you my own good confession, and that is that I released my debut album during a pandemic quarantine. Um, so really couldn't do promotion for it like I really wanted to. So I'm having to do everything from my own home, uh, which is not a problem. This is the day and age that you can do that. Uh, so I appreciate anyone that will listen to it. Um, really just want to reach people through music the way music has done for me. So, um, anyone who wants to listen to it can find it on all the streaming platforms. Uh, my artist name is Tangent Infinity. And you can find me on all the socials on that, too. Uh, Just let me know how you feel. Listen to it. Uh, Thank you, Teresa, for giving me the platform. And uh, we'll continue being faithful confidants. Uh, Thank you for promoting mental health awareness as well. Just wanted to shout that out. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. That's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, This has been your Good Confessions clip. We'll be back next week with a regular uh, full episode. But if you guys enjoy these Good Confessions, you can join our Discord. Let me know what you think. um, Or, you know, write me at Larissa T on Twitter and Instagram or at Tell Me Anything Pod on Instagram as well. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Have you ever gotten a tampon stuck up there? You ever kicked a man in the balls when he told you how to smile? Ever peed on a guy's face for money? Well, we've got you covered. With enough stories, we'll drown out the patriarchy for good in their own semen. 
I'm Heather Ann Gottlieb, and this is Dirty Girl, available now on the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Hoo Ha Ha Podcast.